Welcome back to Pool Talk, the podcast where we talk about the value of swimming pools in the UK and just how important it is to get people swimming. Episodes are released every Tuesday on Spotify and on Google Podcasts. If you want to get in touch, please send us an email to pooltalkuk at outlook.com or find us on Facebook. Hello, everybody. As we prepare for our pools to reopen, it's about time we looked at those people who will be working in them. I don't mean the managers, etc., important as they are, but the people who look after us when we're in there, the lifeguard and the centre assistant. Unfortunately, too many people see the lifeguard as somebody who stops them from having fun in the swimming pool, blowing the whistle, pointing at me and shouting at me to stop what I'm doing. So embarrassing. But as we emerge from the lockdown and pools across the UK look to encourage people to return to their pools, isn't it time that we put that image to rights? The lifeguard can have such an important role to play in making our customers feel that they are valued and even being part of the life of the pool. Ian Ogilvie is an experienced lifeguard trainer and has a significant amount of experience in managing facilities as well. He's also produced many podcasts of his own and information videos during the lockdowns of 2020 and now into 2021. So it is a privilege for Mike and me to welcome Ian to today's podcast. We are both sure that he will give us his views on the role that lifeguards and centre assistants should now be encouraged to take. So Ian, is it too extreme for me to say that the pool lifeguard is seen by many people uh, just as somebody who stands or sits on the poolside, blows whistles and shouts at you to stop doing things? Yeah, well, no, I think, I think you're not too far off the mark. I think they're often seen as the, uh, the fun police, if you know what I mean. You know, they're to sort of prevent the fun, prevent um, people getting away with any rule breaks and all that. So I think that's the perception mainly. I think it's probably quite a traditional perception. I think times have changed quite a lot, though. Unfortunately, the perception of how the lifeguards viewed is, is, is probably not changed because uh, they're still deemed as the fun police almost. Well, it's, a, it's an important role when they're on the pool side because they are there to, to make sure people are safe. You know, with, with pools now coming out of lockdown, you know, is, is this a new opportunity for pools? Is it a chance for them to look more at the customer rather than the numbers of people? I, I think we have to grab it with both hands. I think initially, you know, with this, uh, hopefully we'll lift the lockdown on the 12th if it comes. A lot of people will be looking to do other activities, finally get out, out of the house. And I think we need to grab it with both hands and sort of hopefully get the transition from them who were in the home and doing home fitness or fitness outside, something like that, to, to come back into the pool. And I think because of which people have lacked that personal contact because they've only maybe mm-hmm. had contact with their own home or on, on a platform like this, Zoom. So I think there's a massive opportunity for, you know, smile, the person coming in, lifeguard or receptionist, whoever it might be, say hello, talk to them when they're, you know, not on pool sides. I think we should almost be setting them challenges as well, you know, for members of staff saying, right, every shift you must at least, you know, when you're off the pool, talk to five customers. Wow. You know, find, out, find out what the day is like. I think, you know, we really need to, to focus on it because certainly – I'm of an age and um, where, you know, Mike, as a child in my leisure time, you would have had maybe the pool, go to the cinema. Yeah. And mm. if I wanted to do anything like the ice drink or temping bowl, and that was miles away from where I lived in Scotland. Mm. So that wasn't, that wasn't the agenda. Just go back a little bit. Ian, you spend an awful lot of time. You have a lot of contact 
with the lifeguard through lifeguard training, mm. a lot of contact with the employers through pool plant training, through the consultancy. You have a, you spend a lot of time in wet leisure. Yeah. Uh, and so you see a lot of the practices very much firsthand. Can I just ask, how would the lifeguard spend his or her shift? Generally, uh, usually, well, it obviously depends on if it's an early shift or a late shift, but you usually find an either a quite early opening or a quite late closing. I think they'll find it potentially, depending on the employer, a little bit of pool testing. I would have thought anything between sort of up to an hour on rotational patterns and pool side. And then on the half hour off, uh, the majority would find themselves doing other tasks like cleaning, setting up a badminton court, trampolines, five-side pitches, um, sort of a lot of remedial tasks. And then a lot of it, again, would be sort of checks around poolside, cleaning down poolside, washing down poolside, washing down changing rooms. Uh, the, the old faithful squeegee, which I'm sure you might remember, Mike, yeah. from, from our days. I don't think those days are gone. I wish people um, stopped going on about age. <laughs> but, yeah, but it, if, you, if you've got a multifunctional centre where they can go off and put up a five-a-side pitch, a badminton mm. court, et cetera. Um, but, of course, you know, there's a lot of pools which are standalone pools as well. So they'll come off the poolside and, you know, has it changed? Do you think it's changed from poolside cleaning, poolside cleaning, poolside cleaning? No, I think there's still a big element of that, to be honest. Um, I think as well, not only is there a big element of that, but the lifeguard and less forced will shy away from that customer contact. And the basis of it is it's all no contact via their mobile phone. It's all text messages. They're pinging people, you know, they're, social media platforms, all this sort of stuff. So because of which I find that certainly in the younger generation of employees, and this is not all, so I'm not painting them with a brush. I think some of them will struggle to just simply walk up to a random member of public that they don't know to say, can I help you, sir? You know, mm. anything to help you with or, you know, how was your swim? And um, yeah, you know, how's your program going? I think they really do struggle with that, that because... There was a time where if you take a lifeguard course as an example, I would go into the leisure centre. I'd be handed little telephone messages. Ian, you've got three people to call back who's phoned up today about a lifeguard, you know, lifeguard course you're doing in a couple of weeks. I'd say, okay, fine. Now it'll be email. It's so interesting because I forgive my ignorance. I don't know anything really about the lifeguarding side of our industry. And in my head, lifeguards watch the pool and make sure that people are safe. I didn't realize that they had such a varied, you know, tasks to do at work. I, th I think it really depends on where you're talking. I mean, so for example, last week I was doing some work and we had some guys in there from Centre Parks and Sher from Sherwood Forest. It's the, it's the one extreme. So Centre Parks, Centre Parks, all of them, they have Starbucks on poolside and bars mm. Mm. Um, on yeah. poolside. So, you know, that's a process where you think, well, hang on a minute, we've really got to work, watch out for people that are, you know, potentially had a little bit to drink, then think they can go for a swim. And, you know, and also hotel lifeguards would sort of see that. And to be fair, a lot of hotels won't be lifeguarded. Mm, but mm. in a public leisure centre where um, I would have worked, you know, a typical council run centre, 20, 30 years ago, yes, they would have had a, a bar. And we used to put on the, the football, you know, mm. Sky Sports or what. I think it got. I think it must have been uh, uh, British broadcasting satellite. It'd be Sky B then, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm thinking. B Sky yeah. B, because yeah. people, and and the bars would be packed, Rebecca. Yeah. Because no, nobody had B Sky B at home. I um, can imagine. Yeah. And then 
there came a point where having a bar and a leisure centre wasn't the thing. And now, a lot, I mean, I know quite a lot where I can point in the direction of that are ripped out to be second dance studios or extensions of the gym or Zumba, Zumba studios, that, that type yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose that's built. where the, this fun police um, stereotype has come from then. If, you know, traditionally lifeguards have had to make sure that people aren't being too leery for want of a diff for want yeah. of a different word near the pool so mm. now that times have changed lifeguards have got a completely different set of things that they'd have to do in a in a day but yeah. i th i think you can only blame the lifeguard so much for that i think a lot of that um that fun police uh, approach has been embedded in them uh, mm. and i've got to say some of the legislation has caused that because you know there are so many things which you cannot do that's unsafe that we used to do used to be taken as you know if you just take one aspect and that is the kids inflatable session when they put a um, an inflatable in the pool originally you know what attracted the kids in was they were able to play last man standing yes you get as many people on there Best as, can, game as you can ever and it's right? just a, it's just a, a mass brawl <laughs> yeah push people off and the winner was the last man on it now yeah. a lot of people will only low you know, a given number of kids at the time, and they've got to go from one end to the other, jump off, and next one on. And, yeah. you know, two, three people at a time. So the fun police is the right term, but some of it has been imposed upon. I'm thinking more now when that comes off the pool side. Yeah. Well, to be fair as well, when you think of the lifeguard coming off the pool side, their role has to change massively. I mean, even as it is just now, because now they're coming off pool side and they're now thinking, right, I've got. X amount of cleaning to do, and more so now, Mike, because of the COVID measures. Yeah, um, I'm filling up hand sanitizer stations. You know, I'm, I'm doing all this sort of stuff. And I mean, Rebecca, to give you a bit of an idea, traditionally, one of my first jobs when I came up poolside, we had two poolside teams. I came up poolside, and let's say it was us three in our team. We were team A, and there was a team B, so to speak, and we went straight to the staff room. Yes, right. right. And in the staff room, and I'm not going to lie to you, we had a massive staff room with a pool table. With a with a couch and we had a Sega Mega Drive and a TV there. Mm. Yeah. And I used to play Sonic, mm. and I then f finish Sonic after half an hour, pause it, do my thirty minutes on poolside, leave Sonic and pause for thirty minutes, <laughs> and then go back to the staff room, and we didn't clean because mm. there was cleaners for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it it's changed massively where customers might think that when a lifeguard comes off disappearing and sat in their backside doing nothing and that's probably where you're saying might be it has to change where they've got to be more front-facing well, one, one, one of the words that's used a lot these days you know like to get your views on it is the customer ambassador okay being able to communicate with a customer verbally you know taking on board everything you said about getting people off xbox getting people off texting getting people off social media is that an attitude or is that a skill that can be taught? Because you can teach a skill, you can't teach an attitude. So should the industry, should the employers within the industry be employing people with the correct attitude or with the right qualification? I certainly think um, they have to have a, a small bit of the correct attitude in the first instance. I don't know about you, but I've seen lots of lifeguards who are 16, 17, they're very shy, they're very retiring, you know, it's the first time they've been outside of their friend circle or out of their school circle. And when they come to you, they're frightened to blow the whistle when they're on poolside. And it's a very short little, you know, mm. type scenario. And they haven't really approached people that they don't know. I think we need people that have simply just got a positive attitude, can be friendly. We need to coax them out of their skin to become mm. this ambassador. And as you say, 
you know, we really want to almost have a, how can I put it, almost like a third service where they're the third service of the, the face front. They're maybe not physically selling a membership to you or they're selling a swim to you or whatever, but they are because people are saying, do you know what? I'm going to go to that center because they're friendly. They're nice down yeah. there. Yeah. To you. Having conversations with some of my colleagues in the industry and I know there's some industry figures being bounded around that they expect roughly about 300 swimming pools, maybe never to reopen mm. this year. Mm. Public pools. Yeah, that's, that's a the lot. Figure. Mm. Well, mm. the figures from first lockdown were 224 that didn't reopen. And yeah. they're expecting to be closer to 300 this time. Yeah. Wow. It's, 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 almost, it's almost like saying, Ian, isn't it, that um, we actually need an additional section in the induction program. Oh, totally. You know. And you know, there needs to be an induction. And by the way, this is how we want you to react with the customers. Do we need a script they should follow? I hope not. Well, I, do, I, I don't know because you see so many times the script being misused. But there you, needs to be some interaction. Funny you should say that, Mike. So when I worked for a large leisure provider back in sort of, oh God, 2008, 2009, um, we provided a script hmm. for um, our receptionists as a, as a bit of a trial. So... Rebecca, Mike, I'm sure you've had this in a, before. You're in a bar, you order a drink, or you're in a restaurant, and they say to you things like, um, is that a double? Anything else, sir? Mm. Would you like to see the dessert menu? Mm. Rebecca's, yeah. not, Rebecca's thinking, yeah, I want to see I... the dessert menu. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually just thinking the amount of times that people have called me madam in those instances, and anyone I'm with just, just literally is like, why? You're not a madam. I'll, um, after this podcast here, and I'll explain to Rebecca what a bar is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need explanation, thank you. <laughs> but, but, but you're quite right, you know. Now, is that good customer service or, or is that selling? It, well, it was selling. So we, we yeah. prepared the script for them. So it was things like, so there was little key points. So if you went in and paid for a swim, you'd say things like, and if you saw a child, do you need any armbands or, mm. you know, have you, have you got your goggles with you today or do you mm. want a swim hat? So we prepared this script with them. And um, we uh, saw, our, and it was all about secondary spend and sales, but it promoted more talking to the customer. Yeah. And in the first few weeks, we saw our sales figures rocket, right, as, as secondary spends. Mm. And then all of a sudden they plummeted. The items, we realized the items that we were selling were reusable items. So it's not yeah. a dessert. It's not a double in a bar. It's not, a, you know, it's not a, do you want any extras? Yeah. And you've already sold them the pair of goggles. And then after that, there's only so many times you can say to them, do you want to say to a pair of goggles? And they'd say, yeah. Rebecca, I bought a new pair three weeks ago. You sold them to me. And you're like, yeah. mm-hmm. It was an interesting thing. But you're, you're right in what you say, Mike. Maybe you need a script. Maybe mm. we need a script where they've got an opening line so they can start that conversation. You know, how was your swim today, sir? You mm. know, uh, how was your It's often trip? the hardest to start a conversation. Once someone is talking, then it's quite easy to continue. But the initial contact is mm. the hardest part. So maybe you're right in what you say. We need these ambassadors to have just two or three scripts. And then after that, they can make their own, you know, just to get that contact, to give them the confidence to come forward to a customer and say, yeah, you know. Well, the reason I say this, and, and I hope a lot of people listening can can uh, relate to this during the lockdown that we've had we've all been encouraged to uh, take exercise locally walk around the park walk walk around the block or whatever and i've noticed because i've walked every day even if you see the same people as you walk past them now they're more likely to say hello there good afternoon how are you doing yeah. um, mm-hmm. even if you are two meters apart now that never used to happen you know that that, that would never happen before so it 
the, your startup question, if you like, or, or your starting statement on, on your script, Ian, could be, as they go past somebody, it literally say, hello, how are you? Yeah. How's your, how's your day? Yeah. Good morning. And, and even that would be you know, a huge step forward. It's interesting. They were saying to us um, that when you walk past an individual, this was on the upselling thing we did quite a few years ago, that initially when you walk past a person, usually there's a split second where you make eye contact. Just that split second. They said, and in that second, that's the point where you've got to have the acknowledgement because after that, the person puts their head down. And yeah. if you don't have that acknowledgement within that split second, it feels a bit strange at that point where you then say, hello, how are you? You know, mm. What's your day been like? And it's just in that simple second. There was a lot of um, points about smiling. Massive, mm. massive point about smiling. Just mm. a smile because people will normally reflect it back to you. Yeah. But it can be incredibly difficult. I think... There's an opportunity in our industry now because I think as well through boredom, much more people have engaged in fitness over this past, I don't know, 12 months, shall we say. Mm. Um, and it's about capturing those people and that momentum and getting it to move forward. Mm. And I also think there's probably an opportunity for the government as well, if I'm being honest with you, to, to look at health, fitness, well-being almost, because we've seen, and this is massive, how much someone's mental health has suffered due to mm. yeah. uh, lack of lack of human contact for good, yeah. for want of yeah. a better explanation. Yeah, yeah. And although we can talk about, you know, very, very unfortunately, there will be pools that, that do not reopen after this. Mm. Hopefully employers will listen to this podcast and again, hopefully see some value in it that, that this is something which they could do. But again, from your experience, having so much direct contact with with lifeguards in how do you think that the average poolie would react to being encouraged by his manager, by his employer, to be more communicative with uh, customers? I think initially, because it's something that's probably not been done. It, it, I'm, I'm using a, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of tarshing the whole industry mm. with a brush, and I'm probably wrong because they may well be the. There are the some good practices, there. yeah. There are yeah. a lot, but not, but it's not across the whole industry. I think it's something we probably need to go with baby footsteps, to be honest, um, because it's something not used to. It's something that's new. You know, I think they need to try and get to the idea and say, well, look, hang on a minute. If 10 swimmers don't come to us today, every day for the entirety of the year, you know, that could be the point of where that makes and breaks this pool mm. to, to the tipping point where we we're not getting enough funds. We're not getting enough money mm. because certainly you know, Mike, if you live between two swimming pools and one swimming pool's five miles that way and the other pool's five miles that way and they're literally identical centres, mm. but you found that the pool pool A, it, you know, is not so friendly, but pool pool B, they've even made a point of making, you know, getting to know your name. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where you go. Yeah. And it might not be every lifeguard. It might just be the odd lifeguard. You're right, mm. Mike, you know, how are you mm. doing? Um, but just to have that acknowledgement and that customer service, you know, how many times will people return to the local... Um, hardware shop rather than go to your big multinational DIY store because because of the personal you. contact yeah yeah and not only that they like to support their own local supplier and and I think as you say with pools closing and there's the great opportunity as I spoke to one last week and uh, funnily enough where it was a pull up in the northeast that, that closed and um, about 18 months ago it'd been shut for about four years a community group took it back over uh, this was in September before the lockdown, but just unfortunately, they maybe only had about six mm. months of running it before it was locked down. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that, Mike. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And the other thing we're going to see a lot of is as pools reopen, um, the staff numbers will be reduced. Yes. Uh, and the staff that are there will be much more 
multifunctional, but obviously as, as the numbers of users increases, then that will be the opportunity for more staff to be employed. I, I don't doubt that. It's going to be a downturn first. And the way to get those jobs back is to make sure we get lots and lots of people going into those pools. One way to get lots and lots of people going into those pools is to make it attractive and friendly, uh, empathetic enough for people wanting to go there. It's interesting that you mentioned about attracting staff and having staff there because my, my sort, of, sort of stepson works in a swim pool as a duty manager. When they come back after the first lockdown, the remit from the company that he works for, which is a large leisure provider, was top priority of staff coming back is anyone who holds a fitness qualification, like a level two fitness yeah. qualification or higher, and an MPLQ. What's and, that? Um, national, the national pool lifeguard qualification. Okay. Yeah, so they, they were top priority. So, and basically... As Mike, you were saying there, um, they were in a flexible pattern. So it was yeah. a case of pool, cleaning, gym, pool. And that's yeah. the, in that rotational pattern. When you had some of the receptionists, as an example, they were never brought back. And mm. eventually, a lot of them were made redundant. Mm. As I say, they found that the key part was them. And, and that having the fitness qualification and the lifeguard qualification, they were like, you're the best member of staff we've got because you're the multifunctional member of staff. Yes, so yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I can, I can see exactly what you're saying there, Mike. I think there might be a big push from employers when lifeguards come back to push them to their fitness qualification. And in which case, as you well know, the gym instructor is a completely different animal and will be on the floor talking to people, yeah. doing the gym induction. Yeah. It might be that they, they have to start thinking about this customer contact, the ambassador, the, the, mm. the moving along that way, purely because... They're going to be, I don't know, dual qualified, shall we say, or, you know, multi-qualified? I think it's multi-qualified rather than dual mm. qualified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think the industry has been pushed into making changes, but I think the industry has also got to make those changes as well, you know, through the employers. Uh, you, you'll remember the day when we used to get uh, wet recreational systems and dry recreational systems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you'd go into and now the train shall meet. What's the difference between wet and dry? Well, so <laughs> a, wet, a wet would would work on the on on the pool side and in the changing rooms. Yeah, right. And the dry would be in the gym, in the sports hall, putting up equipment, cleaning the squash court floor, and never go anywhere near the pool. Yes, and never the two shall mix. Yes. Right. And, I see. Yeah. And probably after CCT compulsive competitive mm. tendering back in the eighties, that's when that really had a a massive yeah. change in the 80s and 90s. And um, a lot of these dry uh, reckies, we used to just call them dry reckies yes. and wet reckies, would be um, asked to then do their MPLQ. And that was a sign. And you found out that most of the dry reckies at this point, a lot of them just couldn't swim, hence why they were always the dry Oh, recce. I see. And yeah, in so those, now they're in, all wet and dry. <laughs> and in those days, to get your lifeguard qualification, also for a lot of them, meant uh, an hourly upgrade in their pay. So you can see why employers wanted to keep wet ones. They were cheaper. Uh, the, the dry stuff, they were cheaper yeah. than the ones went on the pool side. I, um, I did a, um, a review quite a few years ago now up in the northeast. I won't, I won't say exactly where it was uh, with a colleague of mine. And it was a, a councillor contacted a colleague of mine and took me with them. And it was all about we need to make cost savings. You know, we're really struggling as a council. And we'd only been there maybe an hour. And we realised that this and this was probably only 10 years ago, Mike that this was a very traditional council and they hadn't m had much change over the years. And they had dry reckeys and wet reckeys. After about an hour, we went in and seen the general manager and said, what do the wet reckeys or lifeguards do when they come up poolside? Well, we go on a break. So who does all the sports halls? And Oh, that's the, that's the dry reckeys. Oh, okay, I'm just sort of writing down. And um, the guy stopped a second. He goes, is that not how it's supposed to be? 
no, not for the last 20 years or so. Yeah, so I, I, I was shocked to have seen it as little as... In fact, it was less than 10 years ago when I think about it now. But yeah, well, I, 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 think that, I think that's the case, you know, sort of even in the, the very sort of um, not-too-distant uh, pastime, you know, things that change, you know, yeah, the wet recreation assistance and dry recreation assistance w- was the norm. That changed. Maybe now is the time for the next change. The lifeguard stroke centre assistant... Hmm. becomes multifunctional, able to do everything. But one of the most important things they can do is to be able to communicate with their customers, with, with their members, yeah. and not, as you say, give the impression that they come off the poolside and then you don't see them again until they come back onto the poolside. I, I think you're right. And, and times have to change. I mean, this might make you laugh, Rebecca, but I know a particular centre not far from me. A lifeguard has been there for quite a number of years. If a customer complaint comes from he his automatic replies. I'm new here. I don't know. And he's he's, <laughs> yeah. he's what is what I there use for, that all the time. Is <laughs> <laughs> what there for probably eight plus years, um, yeah. if not. Yeah, I think I'll start using that one now. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Um, I think you're right though, Mike. Maybe we're into this new era again. So we've yeah. had change from dry and wet recce's to like, as you say, centre assistance or yeah. leisure or leisure assistance. Sometimes they were called or leisure attendance. Yeah, and maybe it's now. Time to change for a, I don't know, a multi-center attendant, a multifunctional attendant, mm. what you would call. It's happening a lot more, isn't it? That um, a lot more roles within all industries are becoming mm. so that you've got one person who does everything and not lots of different people who do one thing. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think the role has definitely changed. Thanks, Ian. It's been really great to talk about the role of the lifeguard on side, on poolside and off poolside. So thank you very much for being with us today. No, it's been a pleasure joining you guys. So thank you very much for having me. We would love to hear from you. So if you have a question about today's episode, then please contact us on our Facebook page or via email, pooltalkuk at outlook.com. Pool Talk is released every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening.